0: Movement Rio Media presents A Few Good Physios with Dr. Eric Munoz and Dr. Leonidas Scantolides. You
1: can't handle the truth.
2: What is physical therapy? More research. More right research. research true therapeutic effect
0: join us each week as we discuss current trends in medicine rehabilitation and strength and conditioning
2: the answers are out there
0: all content is a collaboration between on-point sports care and integrated pt squared a few good physios is not medical advice and is used for educational purposes only if you are having pain and or health-related complaints please seek out a licensed healthcare professional thank you for downloading enjoy All right, well, welcome back to the special edition of A Few Good Physios. Eric Munoz, Lee Skandlis, and we are joined again by returning guest, Luke Bongiorno. Luke, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lee and Eric. Luke, <laughs> Thanks for putting it together. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're super excited. I was looking back on when we last recorded, and it was at the end of April of 2019, and we had uh, Steve Horning, as we, we all know him. And uh, so I feel like this is very serendipitous. And also we're gonna be talking about uh, telehealth, which is very relevant right now. It's uh, April 10th in 2020. So it's you know what's going on now, there's a pandemic of COVID-19 and a lot of things have changed and we're all adjusting as humans and especially as physiotherapists. So we're gonna chat about that today.
2: Yeah, pleasure to have you back on, Luke. And thank you for being the uh, tech savvy person that we could actually perform this right now, so yeah, pleasure uh, to be here. You've got me, uh, you got me zoomed up. Right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know what Zoom was. Like it, turned, it was a lens before, like two weeks ago, and now it's all over. So.
0: It's everywhere. Oh my god, Zoom is very popular right now. It's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is everyone's been saying unprecedented times, and everyone has to do something a little different to reconnect with our patients. And Eric and I have chatted about it, and we've we've gone back and forth in emails about telehealth and i wanted to know what are your recent experiences with telehealth and how long you've been using it if you have been using it before this time um
3: well yeah look i've done a little bit of telehealth before but of course as you know i'm very much uh you know i'm biased uh definitely toward face-to-face in person um i believe that you know that's the the best form where you can get sort of full human interaction however i've used it in the past only Uh, on a consultant basis when you know geographically it's been impossible to see the patients but I was actually visiting Australia and as I returned I was quarantining um, and I got literally right into it I had patients call up um, as soon as I get back as soon as I got back just asking for advice and I thought well let's see if I can actually test out proper telehealth sessions because also as a a business owner I needed to think well wait a minute I, I can't just I love chatting and I want to just give everything away, but at the same time, you, you have to be mindful as well, just personally and as a profession to, to structure a little bit. And truthfully, it's been a lot better than I thought um, in terms of just how to, uh, how we can connect and also in um, some of the outcomes.
0: So, yeah. Nice. And Erica, uh, you, you adapted the same. You started doing telehealth as well.
2: Just, I'm fresh, fresh off the press. Um, I, I definitely had. Uh, I've been on the phone for the last, I guess, three or four weeks, um, consulting with patients. But just this, just today, I had a new session, and it went much better than I expected. Um, as you, as Lee as Lee and uh, Luke mentioned, just having a structure set up. So prior to that appointment, I had a couple of uh, things to work through, and it was very helpful. Um, the, the new patient was very uh, thankful, and I could see. I mean, it looked promising from uh, from a half hour ago. Uh, with my older clients, clients that I've worked with in the past, uh, I've been doing stuff over the phone, consulting, but I'm going to be opening up. I'm kind of in the middle. I mean, you, both of you guys, it sounds like, have a bit more experience with it, but I'm looking forward to, to using it in this time.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Before this happened, I think I just did it once on a physical therapy basis in the last couple of years, and it was a patient all the way in South Africa. And I really just did it as a, as a screening tool, and I advised her that she really needs to see someone in person. Uh, after we got off the phone just because of what we went over and and but I I was surprised by how helpful it was in the sense that what we could talk about what we could do what we couldn't do Um, and she found it very helpful and we just stayed in contact virtually emails and texts and stuff and we were able to follow up with a program Um, and then she did see someone and that kind of uh, spawned everything else but now it's I converted most of my training clients to uh, virtual sessions which has been really helpful and then now just a handful of PT, but more training sessions versus PT, but it, it's been surprisingly really successful, but I do see the limitations in it. And there's been some discussions online about the, the limitations, the back and forth. So um, Luke, you're part of the, the NOI group, and I feel, and this is something that I'm, I'm curious to get your take on, when uh, all the material that the NOI group puts out, is heavy in communication skills, it's heavy in the patient, um, learning about what's going on with them, I feel like this is a huge opportunity for these kind of systems to be a little bit more um, common, common practice, especially when we have to talk to patients. Do you feel like the Noi Group is a little bit ahead in terms of how they approach patients versus other systems right
3: now?
1: Well, I think um,
3: I think this is something that uh, you know Noi Group Noi Group has been um, looking at uh, for a little while. while. While we still believe in in face to face, and uh, interestingly, I was in Australia in Adelaide at Noi HQ when in the middle of March, when everything was happening and we ran the last live course actually in Fremantle. um, I think it was like the 11th or 12th of March. And it was a really interesting time because at that time I was thinking, well, yes, this, the material, um, you know, we have the protect demeanor. Of course, I'm I'm with Noi, so I'm a little biased, but um, you know, and David Butler, who's really pioneered um, a lot of the the work um, Along with his work with Laura McMosley, has looked at developing a curriculum. So essentially, telehealth, what you're removing is uh, manual therapy, and you're removing, um, you know, the hands-on contact. So it's a lot more interactive. Um, it's uh, education-based primarily. Um, also, you can move. It's uh, interestingly, you mentioned about the the training sessions because some of the sessions that I've worked through have just been about movement but you know one of the noise philosophies motion is lotion um it's mm-hmm. motivating our clients and educating and i think you know as, as physios or pts we need to recognize that you know maybe that's uh, that that role takes on a little bit more priority um than skilled clinicians um and it's our ability to educate so i think definitely um you know i'm talking with another a number of noise instructors uh, around the world, we've definitely looked at um, using this in telehealth, but also in education of physios. Um, and can we do online education as effectively as well um, using online platforms? It's it's certainly challenging. Um, you know, I we, we draw energy from people, don't we? So you sort of like have to have to feel it
2: <laughs> through the computer. Yeah, I'm definitely biased toward person in person appointments. But I could see, I mean, I could see this uh, crisis actually pushing forward a movement already of decreasing manual work and increasing education and movement. I mean, it's definitely seem, seems to be a, a trend towards movement-based treatments. And I think that potentially this might be pushing, this'll, I guess, um, this will show if it could work or not, I guess, right? I mean, really from a, from a from distance, it, it's tough. There's definitely challenges. Mm.
0: Yeah, I feel I totally agree with you, Luke, that the in-person, and, and Eric, the in-person, you not only get the energy of the person, you can get a little bit more of a read on how their injury is affecting them or whatever situation they're coming in for, so that can effectively help you give them a better plan of care, um, and you you lose that a little bit with the virtual sessions because you do see their face, you can read their facial expressions and maybe body language, but you're really not in their presence, which that, that can really change some things. Um, but I also think there's there, there's that separation with technology, right? There's, there seems to be, everyone's playing catch up right now. Zoom is was already existing and, and can kind of take this capacity of many people at once. So you could do classes on Zoom, it's got a good platform. Skype was already there, you got FaceTime, you can do Google Meet, all these things. But now I think everybody's trying to update their software, maybe create new software to make it way more easier for people. One thing that I feel like is a limitation of technology is, that if I want to immediately show somebody something, I can I can demonstrate it. But if I wanted to throw something on their screen, that's not the easiest unless I was presenting my own screen. So I thought it would be helpful to have like, you know, throw a clock on there if you wanted to time them do an exercise or um, something like that or um, whatever it is. But so yeah, I think technology is, is a big limitation, not being in person and not feeling the person's presence and, and energy. And also when you do hands on work to do like just tests, you know, to rule things out if you're want a screen of a ligament injury or something like that in someone's knee and you can't put your hands on their knee, you're just relying on the, the functional test. That's a big thing. Um, so uh, you, Luke, you brought up a really good point that NOI has to adapt to doing online courses. I've been getting emails from a lot of other associations like NIOM, they've canceled their classes indefinitely and they're hoping to be back in September, but all the ones throughout the summer, they're no longer gonna hold in person. Um, so do you, do you think this will change our continued education as well as, as physios trying to adapt to this and hopefully we'll end up going to in person again in the future. But even when that comes back, you know, we don't know what that looks like. Uh, What do you think about that?
3: Absolutely. And look, Australia's already taken a pretty um, hard hard measures uh, in terms of looking at a a six month, um, you know, lockdown really. um, And, you know, limitations of group sizes. So, and the New South Wales premier down there just came out with a statement that, you know, until there's a vaccine, they're not looking at lifting restrictions. So, Wow. You know, all the courses in Australia certainly have been cancelled. I think we're at least through the end of August or September. Um, uh, also, the other the other component of online education for physios is think about how physios, and as a profession, we've been affected. And, you know, the funds aren't going to be available. It's going to also be more challenging for providers to, to use their, you know, youth funds to, to learn. So uh, on the flip side of that, you know, now is a time where people are looking for, online education. I think definitely with Noi and Explain Pain, um, I think it's important we still continue to teach those courses. So that's what we're looking to um, offer online and trying to, working through it to be able to, um, you know, get get, get across the content um, that's uh, necessary and applicable, um, you know, using using Zoom. I mean, a lot of the learning I've done actually has been through meetings with Noi and I, I learned how to share screen, for example, on Zoom. You can just like... Mm-hmm. Um, and you can share your computer screen so you can look up look at articles together. You can um, Look up just uh, web pages. You have to be a little bit careful what else was up on your computer at the time <laughs> 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 But um, but look I think um, it's You know, I won't lie. It was a little bit in the beginning. Oh wait a minute. This is really going to affect not only the clinicians but you know noise as a a company and what I loved about the the group down there is just the way everyone embraced it you know it's not a huge a lot of people think it's a, a massive organization but it's seven really committed individuals that have been there for a while both and and the way they've worked together and um said right we've got to practice what we preach now. It's all about conceptual change and adapting to the the challenges and in the environment in a biopsychosocial way. We've got a pretty big bio component going on here with the virus, but let's look at all the other implications. So, um, it's been really, you know, I've been very, very, very fortunate to be around that and be involved with it at this moment. Um, and we're really trying to get explain pain to start with, um, online courses, uh, you know, toward the end of the month, uh, end of April, early May. Um, so, hopefully, we can get that up and running. Um, right. And it will be smaller group sizes as
0: well. So, the, we're looking at a, a Zoom type format at the moment. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I know I, I follow a couple of physios, and I think you guys are both familiar with them, Greg Lehman and Adam Meekin, Yes, one Canadian, one out in the UK. And I, I follow them on social media, but they they talk a lot about how over the years they've uh, there's a large portion of their patients that are virtual. And they have been for a while. Like, you know, I think Greg Vino was saying 60%, maybe 70% of his patients are virtual because he's trying to geographically reach people as much as he can. So they were kind of trying to send out videos of how to approach this in a, in a, in a positive way, meaning for us people, uh, us physios who don't incorporate that in our, our practice, like, you know, that much, then we can just watch these videos in terms of setup and programming and platforms and stuff like that. Um, but I, I find that interesting. I didn't realize that they were doing it that much and how they were approaching it and they w- would have different bullet points and how to uh, get a patient and, and effectively screen them. Um, I guess my my whole thing is, do you think moving forward, because there's always this or what I've been reading, there's definitely going to be a fear of, of reinfection in the future, even with the vaccine um, after they develop it, which will take a while. Do you think this will be more become more common practice? Let's say in PT education, in school, and or in uh, clinics, even outpatient clinics around the country.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely think, and even um, look, I, I really hope, you know, for for a lot many many reasons, um, you know, that we can get back to um, at least some degree of face to face. I think this is we, we are seeing a global shift, and there will be a, a new norm. I think after this, people are going to be a lot more aware of social distancing and even touch. And that could also affect manual therapy. Um, you know, it d- does the patient feel safe? You know, one of, as you know, you know, pain exists when the credible evidence of danger is greater than safety. So there are going to be implications. And look, like uh, thinking back to our clinic, I thought about New York sports med, you know, had we <laughs> had that still been going, we were an open environment. We had, you know, yeah. tables set up next to each other, which is great. We had like, people chatting and and it was a really, I felt anyway,' of course I'm biased because <laughs> but it was that that created an energy um and a healing sort of environment, and yeah. I've already had patients you know contact me and say look luke i'd I'd be a little hesitant to go back there with you know more people in a space. I think we'll go back to probably in clinics the, the private treatment room one on one less people um and I think certainly you know when things are starting to be reintroduced but probably more long term um Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, but look, I, I I still believe and and value and empathize with a lot of therapists that, you know, are, are ma- manually based. And I, I, you know, and also as a therapist, um, you know, I derive joy from that, too. So, of course, I'm, I'm going to want to want to get that back. But for now, I think it's just we've got to use it as a learning opportunity
2: and do the best we can. Yeah, I think it, I think it's easier for patients to buy into the telehealth having 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 a relationship with them prior to you know as opposed to i just had a new patient and i was a little hesitant am i able to really develop you know deliver a quality session as i would with a face-to-face session and i guess Mm -hmm. the buy-in has to come from both the therapist and the patient um if there's any kind of disconnect or like as luke said a a safe when we go back to -to face-to-face a safety issue but there has to be a common understanding Uh, To make this work whether it's telehealth or getting back to the new norm. Uh, I don't think I mean I I, it's hard to think of anything being the same after The last month Uh, But as an industry, you know physical therapy uh, Doesn't necessarily just just what we've learned. I mean our whole system is gonna be shifted, but it's gonna be cure I'm optimistic. I think people are gonna be you know the flip side of it people might be yearning for that face-to-face People might be yearning for the touch that they haven't gotten in, in X time, or that safety. And I mean, I, I don't Luke has a smile. You know, it could go either way there. But you no, know, from a physical therapy perspective, I think uh, you know people will need it.
3: Yeah, I mean, we have to. We we we're relying on now the human touch. <laughs> you know, touching the other way. I had a patient that said to me, she goes, "But Luke, how are we going to release my back? You know, I've still got." Uh, I, I sort of cringe sometimes. I think, well, what have I told the patient that I'm doing? But, but in any case, uh. She's got, how hey, am I gonna do with my hands? And I just I put my hands up at the camera and said, look, you're on my hand. I want you to visualize, you know what they feel like. I want you to go there. And, and we're doing sort of visualization and, and brain neural mapping if you want to think of the science of it. But I, I felt for her because I know that yes, I as a therapist wanted to reach through the screen and just like console her and help her. And I'm like, look, come on. you've also got to grow from this and you've got to help her understand that it's not your hands, it's you're a facilitator. And you've got to use that human touch. And it's your point, um, Eric, that, you know, with new patients, I, I felt that it was interesting because the ones that did buy into the telehealth were patients, your life as you'd call them, ones that have come and gone over the years for various things. And they were the ones that that they were looking for a trusted source. And, you know, if, if, you're, if you believe in it yourself, firstly, you can help them understand. And I think what, what it led me to believe is also fear of movement. Stay indoors, which obviously we need to do right now, but it's yeah. fear of movement. G- giving someone permission, you know what, you can go out for a run, keep, yes. obviously, she was in California, um, there's space there. She wasn't, you know, in New York City. I still cringe like going into Central Park and thinking, all right, I've got all these virus yeah. particles and what am I giving and what am I getting? But uh, I think that is giving people permission to move um, and I had a new patient the next day. I thought, right, how's this going to go? She doesn't know me. Will she even trust me? She she was referred from a good friend of mine, and she was also out in California by herself. She was complaining of bilateral knee pain, and we structured it as though you'd be with a normal patient. You do your subjective history, right? Well, nothing seemed to happen, but I've been sitting more, um, and I haven't gone. For, I know when I run, and I started talking to her, you know, about the the knees and the hips and the, like working the way up the chain, a little bit, and then. Gave her some basic movements to do, you know, I said, well, what about, she liked yoga. So what about like a breathing and a cobra sort of stretch? And we, you know, I had my mat set up and I sort of sort of did it with her. She goes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. suddenly removing the danger, I said, it doesn't sound like um, you've done anything to injure or traumatise your knee. She goes, well, yeah, I would agree with that. And then she started coming up with the answers. And I think that's, again, when we think about what we do as therapists, as Jeffrey Maitland beautifully um put it, if you listen to the patients, they'll tell you what's wrong. If you really listen to them, they'll tell you how to get them better. I wasn't a magician or doing anything magic with her other than, you know, using the skills we've all learned or trying my best and then giving her permission to, all right, go for a run and see, this one was, uh, she wanted to ride her bike and she texted me a few days later, knee pain's 95%, you know, better um, the session really helped, and I was surprised because I didn't hear from her. Thinking, oh my god, you know that was <laughs> <useless."> <laughs> but but look, it, and again, I'm 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 going to I'm going back to being a learner. You know, I've practiced for twenty years, twenty plus years, but I'm I'm learning now a whole new thing. And I'm like, well, Luke, you're teaching people how to learn. You've got to now become the learner and learn yourself to be a better teacher. So I'm trying to sort of mm-hmm. um, you know, and they don't all go like that. You know, there's there's going to be times where also if you're in a different frame of mind, if I've been more tired or I'm not, Oh God, I've got that patient again, or, you know, that, <laughs> you know, I have to psych myself up for, for being on point like, like we always do. But I think for, from every interaction, um, you know, we as as therapists can have the opportunity to learn and to be able to improve our services. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, embracing, I guess, going back to <laughs> going back to to trying something new and I hope it, uh, hope it continues works
2: I don't A little there. bit. I mean, improving. I don't want to go back, but we—it's—it's we, uh, it's, it's funny because when Lee mentioned telehealth a couple of weeks ago, you know, he Lee mentioned making the transition, and initially, I was like, I just couldn't fathom, you know, working, looking at my past schedules, I, I couldn't fathom it. And then I, this, you know, last week as well as this week, I actually got excited. I was, as Luke just mentioned, like this is a whole new beginning. I mean, it's like, um, uh, mm-hmm. it's actually. I love learning and it's a new skill. It would be a whole new skill and as as much as I want the, um, to go back to the old way, this might be a great new opportunity and you know, where we could leverage our skill set globally. Luke, you do this already when you do consulting, but I mean, this could open a lot of doors. Um, just getting off the, my last telehealth, you know, I, I spoke to my wife and my son, I spoke to my wife, my son listening and she had it go. I said, this might be, you know, get ready. I might be very busy in the next couple of weeks. You know, we might have a little nook in our apartment. And I think it's, again, it's it's exciting. It initially was like, um, I don't want to say scary, but I, I don't need that. And now I thought to myself, well, it's not about what I need. People might be, a lot of people need help. And this is a way to kind of get to it.
0: Yeah, it, it was interesting just going back. Uh, well, to both you guys' points, like right now is, is such a a unique time. No, I don't think, and going back to like 1918 during the Spanish flu, but this whole idea of fear, and threat is like on top of everybody right now being told to stay in their home not make any contact with people so in terms of their bodies their nervous system is definitely going to react i know for myself um just every injury i've ever had in, in the past has flared up like crazy and i'm, I'm certainly not more active i'm way less active than sitting more been more stressed out and and unknowing what's going on so i've been really trying to force myself to exercise and movement been helping but i guess from a patient's perspective who might not understand what that means with their nervous system i think it's critical to have this conversation with them is this whole idea it's not just a pure idea of stress but our nervous system is trying to protect us by saying there's a threat out there and you're being told <coughs> that these things that are not necessarily normal especially human contact you know my wife went out the other day and took a walk with one of her friends and um she just wanted to go up and hug her because she hasn't seen her in at least two weeks and she couldn't and and they had to stay six feet apart And this friend is a nurse on the front lines anyway so it was even more important um but it 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 really speaks to like our need for human contact it's not like some you know made up thing it's an actual thing Like we we need to whether it be someone assessing us and putting their hands on us whether it be uh putting their hands on their shoulders whatever and and comforting them hugging them whatever it is i think that's super important i feel like that's going to affect how our treatments go right now because again, like we spoke about before, this is not gonna just end, end at the end of summer. things are gonna change in terms of how we have to interact um but yeah i I think it's hopefully we'll we'll be able to work with people without gloves. I don't know if that's ever gonna happen, but um that's been a new thing and I remember we were Eric and I were talking about that a while back in terms of I hate the gloves the, the gloves would gloves if it.
2: we didn't put our hands on Yeah. The glove for a trend at one point that we all recall. (laughs) I mean, it just- um, It It never feels as good, does it? uh, No. (laughs) No, it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, even prior to the lockdown um, here in New York, uh, I guess the first couple of weeks of of March, the fact that people weren't shaking hands was an adjustment. It was actually, even for people you know well, you know, it was like, hey, and that was the beginning of, um, the beginning, I guess. And it, it was interesting the the introduction and closure of the session with a handshake uh, just that alone felt like something was incomplete like yeah the elbow bump and and i mean that's going to be multiplied a thousand times over when we get back in mm-hmm. but i guess the question is how do we get patients to feel comfortable uh, when this passes uh, and and realistically how comfortable should they be or should we be uh, talking, i mean how how do how do we i guess that's all uh that's down the down the road but Going to be interesting that how do we get people to be comfortable enough, and can we? Yeah, I, mean, I think we um we have to we'll have to pay
3: a little more attention to our own environment and just ask them, look, I want you to feel comfortable like we would. would you like some water, but how do you give them the water? Like do they get their own water? like
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, but I think that's just that that comes across we, we, we'll learn we, we can adapt and you know but it, you, you're right. even look, I, again, I was in Australia and I've been in Adelaide and Perth with Noi group. So I've been out of the country for a couple of weeks. I went to a music festival, which I'm thinking, wow. And then, <laughs> I don't know when the next time I'll do that is. Um, but even then, I was aware of social distancing because I'd come from New York and I'd also been to Europe. I mean, I was hoping I wasn't, you know, uh, you know, I could have. Hopefully, I wasn't spreading anything. But I, I essentially I wasn't thinking about it as much. But I was aware of vigorous, rigorous hand washing. You know, I was in the UK. I saw signs in the bathroom. This is back in early February, wow. and I thought, you know what there are signs up I'm going to now really think about washing my hands just like your mum would have told you or like I was in OR protocol if I was watching a surgery or something I said right OR protocol you know wash hands but my sister then said to me Luke well Luke you're not coming and seeing mum you know my mum's 81 and I felt like wow and it um, sort of hit me I said yeah I don't want to put her at risk but now I feel a little bit like I'll you know um um, like the lepers would have felt, or I mean, I felt like oh, wait, I'm not welcome in my own home. It, it definitely felt strange just from a personal perspective. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, my sister in law said, "Look, you know, come over here," and and she was welcoming. I'm like, "Look, I'm I'm checking my temperature. I'm I'm tra- being. I'm, I'm taking universal precautions. Of course, I can't promise, but I just, you know, I, I said, all right, we won't hug.' You know, just let me see, mum, or you know what, you know. Oh man. So just personally, I. I I know that feeling of, you know, I was like, wow, this is this is real. <laughs> yes. And that's, I think, yeah. when it sort of really hit me. And then, you know, flying back to the States and I was like, right, I'm not seeing, touching, I'm going to really, you know, quarantine. And I was just so aware um, of, of everything, uh, far more than I ever had been. You know, I've taken goodness knows how many flights. But then, yeah, but then I would also notice, well, the air was clean in New York. I don't know if you guys have noticed, like... <laughs> And a big
0: breathing.
1: difference,
0: yes. big difference. Incredible. I, I didn't think it would happen so fast. We were, um, my wife and I were walking around and we, we just were like, well, this this feels weird in terms of the breathing. I feel like I could breathe a lot easier. I don't feel as like weighed down. Um, it, it was very strange. My,
2: my son said, Dad, what this is, is the
0: respiratory system? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> my son asked, Dad, what's that smell? And I was like, uh, it's a tree. <laughs> he smelled the grass and the trees, and he was so, uh, obviously it's spring and everything is blooming, but it, it was, uh, just being outside, I don't know about you gentlemen, but I value, when I'm out there now, I value seeing, uh, just seeing outside, bottom line. We, a lot yeah. of things we've taken for granted, I, I mean, the world in general, right? But, uh, but it's interesting how, just New York City streets, you've seen pictures of it being so empty in Italy. Crazy. It's pretty crazy, the sites with no, no people out. Yeah.
0: Times Square, like and those those pictures of Times Square nearly empty, maybe one or two people walking around. Unbelievable. Never thought I would see that. Um, what, so, I mean, in terms of, I, I think, uh, just going quickly back to the physio the aspect of all this, but the, um, you know, if you look at what we do as a whole, before all this happened, we essentially we, we, we're, we're, big educators and Luke, you said it, like, we're, we're like a medium for the patient in terms of information and whether it be with hands-on, whether it be purely exercise, purely education or all combos, everything. And I think overall, it's like trying to get the person a little bit more in touch with themselves. And so that they can manage their own health, manage their own symptoms, whatever it is, whatever their condition is a little bit better. I think now more than ever, we're going to be losing that even more because of these restrictions, because of the lack of human contact. So, in terms of our importance in the future, it's still gonna be extremely important, if not a little bit more because we, we can, we've been trained to sit down and communicate with the person. We've been trained to kind of take analogies and, and cater to the person to give them um, complex ideas in a simple manner. Um, you guys feel that there'll be new opportunities, obviously with telehealth, but education, and maybe as we operate as a whole, where we have to convince that the other two convincing the United States, convincing payers that we might not have to see the person in in person, but it obviously be beneficial to do that, and then they would be able to reimburse that same amount for a telehealth session or a group session online or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the challenge is going to be uh, how do you quanti- uh, How do you put value? Is it the same value? It's a million, billion, trillion trillion dollar question. Is it the same value? And uh, of course, I think you know insurance companies might obviously take it as just reduce payment. I mean, that, that's just the growing trend. Is the uh, growing trend of reducing payment? But
3: that's sort of just that's been a steady stream since I've uh, been to the states. Exactly, it's a steady. I mean, it's still your time, isn't it? I mean, you're still spending. You know, I'm doing. I don't know how long you're doing, Eric, but I'm doing hour-long sessions. Forty. So, yeah. You know, if I were an attorney or something else, you know, it's billable time. Um, you could look at it that way. Exactly. But I think also, like anything else, it, look. On the one hand, I. I'm starting to see and recognize the value of it myself, which is why, even now, when patients call up, I'm like, well, let's set up a proper session because I think it'll be better for you and I. I'll be switched on, you'll be switched on, we can connect. Um, but it's like anything else, it opens itself up for, you know, abuse in a lot of ways. And I think, look, having this record button is, you know, as long as the patients consent to it, you know, can demonstrate that there is structure and maybe that there will eventually you know need to be some parameters without sort of being the you know the hippo police or the you know the, the who's going to come and, and watch you know we, we've got to have something to to show that that what was being done but it's that's just look as long as human beings are human beings i think that's something we have to be aware of while we want to embrace change we have to also set a series of boundaries and parameters um in order for everyone to stay focused i, I don't think perhaps we'll need as many I shouldn't say this, but maybe as many sessions, maybe we as the therapists can also reevaluate, well, does this patient really need to keep coming back? Or at what point am I just having a the RNC, the, the rub in the chat and uh, counting reps for them when they're doing their exercises? And, you know, I'm doing this right, yeah. Am doing it right? <laughs> it so at so what point are we validators again? You know, exactly. so, so look, there's a lot that we're going to, it will evolve and we'll probably know more and I might even completely be a different, have a different set in a month. It'd be interesting if we <laughs> do this again in a couple of months and see where we're at, you know. But yeah. in March it was like literally everything was changing by the minute, and I think it's the, the change part has slowed down. But we're certainly in that phase where we're sort of we're going to have to just play it out and see uh, see what happens. But I think it's important we continue. There's a part of me that sort of wanted to just,
2: you know, well, <laughs> why change it? It was it was great the way it was. You know, just keep it the way. It... No, no, I think yeah. right. It's going to be completely, I think if we did uh checked in in a month or two, I think it'll be completely different. And I mean, one will be more savvy with this, this connection, but we might see more shortcomings. We might see more benefits. it will be interesting to see how this pans out uh, for the industry. Sadly, I think whoever was on, <clears throat> I think from a business perspective, and this just goes physical therapy, but whoever was on the margin or on the margins, you Know every day that goes by, you know, the chance, the likelihood of them being able to return drops. But uh, I think this creates a unique opportunity for those who are putting out quality work and, and have a good following. And there's going to be we're going to be busy, yeah.
3: Yeah, well, people are still going to need you know, the, you know you've got to think of, as physios, you know, we can't downplay ourselves too much. We are experts, and I start to think of myself, I'm like, well, really, what am I doing? Am I just that? How am I just giving motivational value? And they're like, "Look, that's a skill too. Like we have to recognise all our skills and not downplay them because they are valuable. We just have to also be honest to ourselves and the patients about, well, how can I best get you to that level, as you pointed out, Lee, to get them in touch with themselves. Basically, you're getting them to buy into the fact that they've got the answers there. We've just got to sort of organise it and can and help it in their, their brains and their, their bodies. Um, but, look, it's... Yeah, that's that's something that we're just gonna have to see. I think.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny. Cause we were saying before, or we just said there was that. Like, I had a call last week, and it was a post-surgical uh, knee replacement. And I got off the phone. I, I got off the the Facetime. And I was like, oh man, I just I felt totally useless there because I, I didn't feel like I did anything. But then I followed up with him this week, and sure enough, he was like, I, I, he's feeling so much better. He's doing much better. He's like, what motivated him was me telling him that the exercises that he was doing were safe and he can do them. And it was kind of allowing him to walk more too. He said he was going to walk a little bit more because before he was really fearful of injuring it more. But I was like, all right, well, that's a simple thing where like Luke said before, is you're giving them the permission to do certain things. And it's ruling out as, you know, really big red flags. Like he was worried that he had this increased swelling and I was concerned that he had an infection, but it didn't seem to be that way. He'd been in contact with his doctor a bunch of times virtually and they kind of ruled that out already. But um so things like that. I, I feel like although these the calls that we make, if they're for screening or consult, they might feel like we're not doing too much, but it might be a big deal for the patient and you might make a, a some big progress there. Yeah. No, look, and
3: that's that's a target concept of explain pain. You know, we teach it, it it's pain um, exists when incredible evidence of danger is greater than safety. And it's incredibly powerful to the the neuroimmune system biologically. Um, Creating those, giving that patient that safety signal, like oh, I do have permission to move, and maybe I don't have an infection. And he's in line with the doctor. All of that is going to biologically impact um, your immune system to reduce inflammation, to help improve blood flow, to you know relax the muscles, get them out of that sympathetic state. So, you know, we can't downplay. It's not just all right. It's in your head. It's, it's there's a biological effect here from from our ability to um, comfort that patient, um, you know, using our expertise. And I think sometimes like you say, I sort of feel, oh, I feel like I did nothing, you know, just, just, I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> or at least wanted to move the knee around and be like, no, let's see.
2: You mentioned before, and I think it's important, you know, just going through this is, the, the interview process, the subjective, your visual you know, assessment, none of that changes. And if you kind of focus on, all right, what what are the similarities on face-to-face and telehealth? And what do I do well with face-to-face and kind of see what can I transfer over? Obviously manual is a big component and people. You know, we, we it's a, a big tool we have, but as you said, I mean, just just that chat, Lee and I were discussing this last week and it was like half the patients that first week of all this, the lockdown occurred, And he said, you know, just talking to the patients, the first five or 10 minutes, I could tell that just our conversation put them at ease. And that was that's powerful enough at these times, you know. Mm. Uh, So, uh, Luke, to your to your point, you know, just um, kind of focusing on what making me reflect what what is actually what am I actually doing here? How am I best able to help this patient in the past and going forward? How am I going to have to change? Is it so.
3: Can I ask you, Eric, actually? How have you found? I've found it actually takes a little bit more energy. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw how we used to, you know, we worked together <laughs> on the floor for, for many years. But but the I've had to scale back. I mean, I'm, not had to. I mean, it's been forced upon me also to scale <laughs> back. But but the energy required, I feel, to do a session like this, even what we're doing, it, it <laughs> takes it takes a bit out. You know, I'm I'm happy to do it. It
2: makes me feel somewhat productive. But yes, I would say it takes for me this morning took a workout camera angles playing playing <laughs> stuff. you know, am I wearing a college shirt or not? I mean the energy that went in a <laughs> <laughs> so walk-in. late. I was like <laughs> I in an office, you know, a couple minutes before my appointment, open the door and I'm on. You know, it's just a I guess it, to your point, um, Luke, is this is a new neural pathway for us and that requires a lot of energy. You know, the prep for mm-hmm. it, you know, setting up my website, you know, doing so many tedious activities that um that require a lot more energy that than I want to expend. But I would say the face to face I was I was using much more energy because it's a new I think it's a novel and new activity for us. Yeah. Yeah. We just gotta find the fun in it, you know
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: get a
2: get little dopamine rush. In. <laughs> I wanted to jump through this morning where I did want to assess I wanted to assess things. I wanted to it's funny though, I, I said one line to to your both of your points. She said she has sounds she feels sounds in her but she hears sounds. I said, so pretty common. I said, so your after her subjective, I said, you know, all the things you're mentioning are pretty common right now. and They are. So yes.
1: Mm.
2: And just that, the whole, I mean, her body language changed after that one or two sentences. So it, this is going to be its an interesting road we're going down. Mm. I'll be yeah. you. What's Thank your you prediction? So. Yeah. Your prediction, when will we be back to work? I'm sure
0: <laughs> Dr. Fauci. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, well, look, the look, the on uh, Sunday, <laughs> um,
3: look, that, that, that's hard. I, I think I think in some capacities by the end of May we'll have at least figured out a strategy. You know, I've, I know of offices open and I, I sort of cringe. I think, you know, are we an essential service? It's not life and death. And I think, you know, why, why not use this time to develop those skills, it is a way of the future. It does also allow us to geographically help those underserved communities. There's a lot of benefits that can come out. So just let's use the time we have to really learn it and 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 develop that craft. And unless you're really in dire need, uh, I think it's you are putting people at risk right now, and you're also not acting in you know a way that is in line with government regulations. And while we need to be adapt, I think it's it's important we sort of use that time wisely now, but I, I certainly think, you know, through the end of May, we'll have at least some knowledge of how are we going to do this safely. We'll have the time um, to really try and figure it out and we'll know more. It's very difficult to make a prediction just with, you know, the, <laughs> the data we have, which. <laughs> Not much.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's grim. The only data we have is pretty grim. I, I, I hope and who knows maybe i will love it maybe
3: like
1: oh well, you know maybe i don't need to
2: <laughs> go in and work seven to seven every day again and <laughs> you know Leon- <laughs> i've been bsing this whole time i'm like oh yes <laughs> no i, I it when i pressed the end button i said wow i could do a few of those i could do you know i could do all this from the comfort of my own home but
3: well, you have a curious mind, Eric, too. So it helps the curious ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll see how curious, so I, how long the curiosity is going to last. <laughs> <laughs> you know, be there like, the Monday. Wait, wait till you've seen it. And then, then I had that patient yesterday that said, "Oh, look, my back's been sore, like, right." in. And I'm like, "Oh, I just want to." And then I was, I was getting him to use his hands, right? Put your hands there and breathe. in. and he said, "So we should we do another session tomorrow?" I said, well, "Let's wait till Saturday." but let's touch base tomorrow and see how you are Mm. and i think just that idea of staying connected and i got an email from a patient she's going luke can you show me exercises a lot of people equate what we do to them or a specific exercise with why they get there better because the you know they're thinking in that biomedical model but at the end of her email you know the line the last line was look forward to connecting with you soon and i think Mm. to your point it's what what you know, what was the Henry Ford case? If you ask people what they wanted, they would say a faster horse. Um, what they're, <laughs> what they're seeking is that um, you know that that connection point, and we do that through tangible or meaningful like exercises. But um, I had a patient yesterday. She goes, "I've been doing the band exercises, but," and I was thinking, "Well, let's go through your steps. I want you to say uh, it was a shoulder issue." And I said, "Well, let's think about the rest of the body chipping in." So uh, I said, "What three things do you want?" And she said, "Stomach, shoulder blades, head." So I said, well, they're your cues, and so mm-hmm. with every exercise, we just repeated that, and it's almost like cognitive behavioural therapy. But that way, the actual exercise didn't become as important as the reminders that she was giving herself. Which, again, you know, humankillery refreshing, getting the brain working a more and body in a more sort of holistic way. Um, you know, those were those were things that I think we we can start to see. Well, how do we get that message across to our patients so that they don't get they don't need to keep coming back and asking the same question over and over again. They start to get it. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: it's just. <laughs> yeah. I find that what this has done is like, it's for whatever reason, if it's because they're in their home or whatever, but when I go over, like this is repeat people, I've gone over the same concept. Now that they're at home and they do it and feel it and I'm not there, they seem to grasp it a little bit more intensely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, it's the element of, I, you know, they, it, the routine of coming to see me is now, it, it was easy or whatever. And now they have to really listen in and, and tune in to what I'm saying because it's its not an in-person visit. So they have to really adapt to that, I guess. I don't know. It, 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 it's interesting.
3: Yeah, you have to be very much more present. And yesterday I said, well, when does?" Well, when I was doing the laundry. Now I said, oh, you're doing the laundry. And I said, she, she's doing the laundry now. So I said, well, what are the three exercises you like? She goes, well, the laundry lifts. Because I had a lifting the, the laundry, but said, right, you use your feet. Push down through the feet to lift the basket, you know, so she's not thinking about her shoulder. And I said, well, what are the exercises now? So we did, we did the cues and we did the, the bands. I said, right, now let's put it into a practice, the laundry lift. And then she, and then we did the laundry lift with a twist. So she, you know, lift it up and put it down. So where she had to do it. But I also presented it in the way that, and to your point, Lee, is, they can practice that. It's going to be in their mind rather than, all right, I've done my two PT sessions a week, which represents how many percent two hours a week is how much percent of their daily life to something mm-hmm. that now they can actually apply more regularly so that when she is doing the laundry, Oh, okay. The laundry lift with a twist so they can right. repeat it. And you know, a lot of the studies and you, you look at the evidence that repeated movement with, with Moseley's and repeated practice is going to um, reinforce uh, healthy uh, movement and
0: reduce pain. So. That's great. I I think there'll be like to talk about what Eric was saying. I think there'll be, I feel like in the near future, there there should be a protocol with like a healthy mix, right? So in-person visit, maybe the first time to establish what's going on and establish that relationship. And then maybe the follow-ups, not all, but some will be something like this, where you can address those questions and they don't have to have the um, they don't either have to do the scheduling on in in-person and, and they can just do it from the comfort of their own home. And then maybe we'll get more uh, continuity and in, in, of, of their plan of care by just connecting them through this, you know, versus having them come in for 16 follow-up visits uh, that they would want to come in for. Mm-hmm. And to
2: both of your points, I think uh, the environment they're in is different from the clinic. And I think in some ways we, we're, with telehealth, you're in a position to really help the person within their living environment. Definitely in these days in quarantine, you know you know what their surroundings are, although they probably vary according to socioeconomical status. <laughs> but living space, so now you, Luke, Luke's patient, you know, you're, you're seeing her lift that laundry as opposed to being in the clinic and kind of going through a, a trial run. You're actually, the person's actually exercising within their own environment. To Lee's point, their comfort level is probably increased. But they're, listen, they're probably really cued into uh, following verbal cues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then then they, saying it out loud too, which reinforces it. And
3: I, I said to her, I said, look, and you're killing three birds with one stone. I said, and you're getting clean laundry. You're going to be sanitized. You, you
1: know.
3: <laughs> you know, I said, look at what, wow. And you don't have to pay anyone to do the exercises with you. <laughs> there you go. You're getting a free session. <laughs> oh. So,
1: that's that's My
3: dad used to say, you your scar into a star, mate. <laughs> so. What do you think? turn your
1: scar into a star. Like, just turn it around I like that. you know. So oh, Luke, you're, you're in New York right now, right? Yes. Very good.
3: Well, right now I'm in Long Island. I did my 14 days, but I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I was in the city. Very good. I will be going back there. <laughs> so
2: Eventually we'll all get there. Um, yes. what in terms of getting back into a fist? Well, I don't even know. I was going to ask a question of when, when facility wise, I mean, it, facilities were open and closed, but have you heard of uh, LB? Have you heard of how are your athletes doing with all of this? Hmm.
3: Well, actually a couple of the NBA um, guys, uh, you know, that's, they were the first group to shut down. They were really instrumental um, in setting a precedent when the, the NBA players got COVID. And I was actually, um one of the visiting teams, I think they're up in Detroit or somewhere. um, The therapist, the PT that I'm, uh, that I work with, he actually contracted it. Now I was just coming back from Australia, so I couldn't go and treat patients, but it was a thing like, how do we keep these guys active? These guys are used to having someone with them. Um, But, you know, still they're subject to the same. They're still human, aren't they? And, you know, (laughs) the virus, they're not immune just because they're an athlete. So, you know, he couldn't be treated by um, his therapist. Um, you know, they had a, a situation. Right? If it's if it's just one person to one person, you know, rather than you know, we, we think about our the way we work. We're working with multiple people, so you know, usually they're assigned one to one. But I had another guy, um, Giuseppe, <laughs> He called me up. He said, "Luke, fly to Salt Lake City." I said, "Yeah, well, you want me to get on a plane?" And <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he he goes, "But I need the manual. I need the manual." I said, "You've got this." I said, "You've yeah. been a professional athlete for since 2006 or whenever." You know. I said, you've got this. he goes, but I've never strained my hamstring like this before. I said, yeah, but you've done other things. Because I guess I need guidance. I said, I can give you guidance over the phone, but I'm not getting on the plane. And, and there was a part of me that wanted to go. I'm like, this is great. You know, I could I could still be doing my work. We could be one-on-one. We're, we're I've got a, you know, someone I can quarantine with. I'm not isolated. You know, but it was it was good for him because he he also realized as an athlete, you know, that and I see this with a lot of athletes, they get to a certain point where they rely on, you know, their, their shoes are polished for them and everything is done. And look, they're, they're incredibly hardworking individuals for, for the most part, and they've got a lot of pressure on them. But at the same time, it's giving them their bodies back and giving him tools to be creative a little bit um, so that they don't, they can't just say, well, I want my guy or I want, you know, he said, oh, but why can't the therapist come and treat me? And I said, well, he's probably got I said, First of all, you're not exactly. supposed to. <laughs> so we're on stay home rules like this is a regulation i said the reasons are this and this guy but he can treat me i said well he's also got to go back to his family he's got a wife he's got kids
1: <laughs> yeah. oh
3: oh they're just oh they stupid you know but but that's a coping mechanism he's not a bad person but that's you know oh,
2: and I think, you know, he's also...
3: not thinking things through and it, it's an, no. nothing else that gets us all to think things through i mean i've looked at how selfish i've been in certain things i wait a minute i didn't even think about that or i wasn't thinking about that other person all i'm thinking about as, all right, how am I going to survive? you know, going into survival mode myself. And I'm like, all right, step
2: back. We all, we all, I mean, it's hard not to. I think maybe not today, but I mean, going back three or four weeks ago, I mean, every day was a piece of information that kicks us, you know, whether it's economic, whether it's life and death, really. That that survival mode, it's it's important to, as Luke just said, you know, to pull out of the survival mode as best as we can, because uh, as we know, that survival mode often clouds our thinking. And um, you just mentioned something with working with athletes, but if it is someone we've worked with in the past, I kind of reinforced that They have the tools, you know, they have the tools. Even if they saw you one or two visits face-to-face, you know, you've provided some strategies that should stick with them. And those who have been with you for a while, I- I've been telling people, hey, you have the tools to self-manage. You've done this before, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the easy yeah.
3: when someone else is there with you, and it's not just – If you're a people person you want to be I mean it's really hard but it's we're all in the same boat you know (laughs) exactly can't complain
2: about it I was reminded of this three weeks ago (laughs) my wife I was venting to my wife about something to do with life here with business and and she goes, Eric, this isn't happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a sorry. global thing, you know, I'm
3: like, oh, I won't be able to have Easter Sunday. Or, you know, the, 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 the Seder is they're doing all the Zoom, you know, now all the religious holidays going on. It's like, well, wait a minute, this is, whether you're religious or not, it's just a get-together of people. And, you yeah. know, maybe people will say, oh, wait a minute, my family aren't that bad after all. It's nice, man.
0: That's not true. But the, um, the whole idea of community is super important right now. I feel like, you know, realizing that the entire world is going through this, It, it somewhat makes this a little, I'm not gonna say easier to deal with, but it puts our mind at a different state because if you're one was going through this alone, it'd be really unfortunate and, um, it wouldn't feel good on the psyche. But since we're all going through this, I feel like that that's a little bit more of a community based sensation. Yes. But, um, but yeah, I you think about athletes? I mean, I, or just, I'm just thinking about it now after you, uh, uh, Luke and Eric brought it up at the, um, you know, they, all of their things have been shut down, and now they're they're forced to contend with, I don't know what if they're going to train. If uh, you know, are you guys? What are they? What are the NBA doing? Are they just continuing on in practice? Or actually? Well, yeah,
3: they're not. They're not they're doing actual on. practice, but they're, look, they're, the athletes are on their programs, and they're still. Carrying out their routine, staying in shape, as though not that it's off season, and they're looking to maybe do something in Vegas. I mean, I don't know what what, what they're doing yet. I think they're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, you think they're away from their families. Like you, you know, um, you know, the soccer player I was talking about who's in uh, Salt Lake. He's I just want to get, just want to see my family at this point. But yeah. he can't fly anywhere, and he. So, well, I'm with the team, but I'm not with the team because we're not really doing anything, and it's just like it's a bit of a limbo state, and I think that's an adjustment that they're making that's, you know, how them as humans having to deal with that, you know, as well as keeping their physical bodies. But to your point, Lee, you know, I noticed back pain, knee pain, I'm thinking, wait a minute, why? Because I am more sedentary. Um, you know, we're lucky as, as PTs, we have a very... Physical job we can work out, and that's why I find myself probably a bit naughty in the Zoom sessions. I'm like, All right, well, let's do it together. <laughs> I'm like, Are you watching me, and I'm like, Oh, damn, I was doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I good. don't to move with you, just, just watch me, watch me do it first. Just, <laughs> I want to do it, you know. <laughs> that's too funny. And it's how we, again, it's how we get through that. I'm like,
2: I have to move, I just, you know, it's very yeah.
1: tricky.
2: Pointly, yeah. uh, motion is lotion. lotion, yeah. The jujitsu yes. back and jiu-jitsu hip. Uh-huh. Getting off a couch, you know, but thankfully, you know, thankfully, motion is lotion. Whenever I'm feeling a little tense or pain, I mean, I remind myself of this mat right there, <laughs> the bells, my kettlebells, and most importantly, outside. I've been, I think, um, you know, running, walking, but it definitely highlights. I've been telling my wife over the course of the last few weeks, like it's 11 or one o'clock, and I'm still home, or I'm on the couch, and I'm like, I would have walked five miles already and I, I've walked about, you know, 50 feet. Um, mm. So the adjustment, again, this is why I think uh, when things do come back to the new norm, I think we're going to be busier than ever because they're going to be people just sedentary and having all type of positional issues. You know, they're going to be in positional issues. Let's put it that way. Um, I think we'll be busy afterwards. I mean, hopefully people
0: are able to pay for it,
2: but uh, we'll see.
0: You no, know, if someone else brought that up online is that we'll be very busy in the sense of all these individuals who may have been hospitalized and they've been released. They're going to be pretty deconditioned. And since this is primarily respiratory condition, you know, it's it's important to kind of help them obviously progress and expose them to exercise in a, um appropriate way. And I think we're in a great position to do that. I guess the key is at, at what uh, capacity what, would it be? Going to their homes all geared up, or would it be in clinic or would it be virtual? Who knows? Um, but I think we'll be very busy after this. Well, I was talking
3: about that doing doing virtual sessions for senior centers too, mm-hmm. and people like, and you know, doing some, some online for, for older people because they're, they're the ones that sort of feel it's funny. The, the athletes have sort of taken a bit of a second, you know, I'm like, all right, well, they're good, it's they're, they'll
1: yeah, they'll survive.
3: Well, they'll survive, you know. But, well, I mean, look, we, we now know that affects everybody. We've all got to be quite cognizant. But but definitely, I think, if it's highlighting the need for, you know, the the, the older athlete and keeping them moving. When I first started PT back in 97, I was doing um, respiratory PT for post-op patients. I'd go in the hospital, yeah. and deep breathing and the coughing and the, the vibration? vibration. Oh, the, the little machine... Yeah. The, the incentive spirometer yeah and i'm using breathing apps i don't know if you guys have if if, if you, if you oh, like the little breathing apps the um what do you call it like the the little oh you know what i could probably do it online let me see if i can i'm going to practice what i preach here a minute hang on
2: share that screen
3: share that screen let me just nice. make sure there's nothing else incriminating up here no. <laughs>
2: Hang on a minute. Um, We're only
3: going to do audio. Don't worry. Are we? Oh, <laughs> uh, but I, I like seeing everyone. Like, no, 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 we'll do video too. It records the video. All right. we, can we can do it. Yeah. So let's, uh, sorry. Um, um. Let's see if we can see. I was going to do it the old fashioned way, but I'm like, no, I'm going to embrace this change. Let's see.
1: Um. Sorry, guys. That's okay. So this is a breathing app. Well, there is a breathing app,
3: um, but there's also just a breathing image. You can actually, uh, I know it's on the
1: iPhone, uh, GIF, hang on. Here it is. Okay, let's go to share screen. So this is the one, Screen, all right. Can you? Oh, you disabled attendee screen sharing access. You're gonna to have to do it, Lee. I don't know. Okay.
3: <laughs>
0: oh, no, okay.
1: Oh, no, one second. Let's, one second Joe. What's the uh, what's the app you want me to pull up? Just look up box breathing, box breathing. Yeah, all right. Let's see. Otherwise, yeah. I will just do it the
0: old fashioned way. So you should be able to see my screen, yes. All right, uh,
1: here. Box, box, Uh GIF. Put, put, put. Box breathing GIF. Here it is. I can. It's that little guy there. So that's just a little, a little image. Okay. Oh, GIF. I yeah, gotcha.
3: So you can see how it just moves. So that you put someone to breathe in. Now there are a series. There are a whole host of apps. Sorry, Joe. Right. There are just little images that show the lungs and those little things, yeah, you can see how just like it teaches people how to... I love that. And so just time, so you can do hold, Yeah, it's inhale. like four, 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 And it's just, a, it's a, it gives a structure. I mean, look, everyone knows they have to breathe. Sometimes when I'm teaching breathing, I feel like I'm getting to convert religions and, oh, don't teach me how to breathe. Or it stresses <laughs> them out. I'm like, structure. I love that. So, so awesome. it's just a little little images. Those little things
1: can be really useful. Uh, for, oh, like oh, oh, look at that one. The lungs make are there. Where'd you find that? That's fantastic. It was
0: right underneath, I could send this to you. Please, oh, man,
1: that's
3: a
0: cool visual.
3: That is a really nice visual. Um, a friend of mine actually showed me that one. It was on uh, I think, Parsley Health, one of the, uh, it was posted somewhere. So, uh, and a friend of mine said, oh look, look at this one. I said, oh that's great. So,
0: yeah, I'll send it to him. That's awesome. So this is what you'll send to patients or at least uh, show them.
3: Yeah. You can can send them on their smartphone and that's something, you know, do it five times a day just for five minutes or three
0: minutes.
1: That's great. Very
0: cool.
1: Well, thanks guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it would be great if you wanted to do another one in a couple of weeks, like um, Eric was saying to follow up to see where you guys are with telehealth and how it's going. And hopefully there's new updates on the, the situation in New York and all positive. We'll see.
1: Right. <clears throat> you know, right let's you know. aim let's aim yeah, yeah let's
3: aim for that but thanks guys yeah, for your cool. time and it's been good for me to sort of talk things through a bit
2: oh it's uh it's therapeutic guys i would
3: say
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah just you guys are safety images for me the moment i saw lee and i'm like oh, oh home. Home.
2: people <laughs> early this week and uh yeah after that conversation i was like ah, oh, you know it was so what we, we that's another thing we're missing as all as therapists. You know, I mean, we have, you know, depending on how many patients you see and interact. I mean, I miss all those interactions greatly. Um, but I'm optimistic. Luke, thank you. Lee, man, thank you for setting all of this up. And we hope to be able to get this out to the public as uh, soon as we can.
0: Great. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks,
2: Lee. Thanks, Eric. All right. Take
0: care thanks, of
3: yourselves. You, all yeah. right. You too. Stay, well. Stay safe. Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to A Few Good Physios. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow us each week while we interview guests and have clinical commentary.